Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, where we bring you weekly conversations with purpose-driven leaders. Our focus is to share meaningful conversations with purpose-driven people having a big social impact in our community. Our mission is to enable you to listen, connect, and grow. You can learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au. You know, why didn't people use a reusable um, product in the first instance? It, it was because they thought they were all getting recycled, the ones that they were getting, the paper ones and plastic ones at a cafe. That's a part of the reason. But but more it was is because they inherently didn't didn't meet the consumer's requirements. And you've got to respect that. You know, they, they, they looked terrible, um, they, they leaked and they didn't function, function very well and you definitely couldn't pay for things with them. And, and it's that innovation that, that helps people, um, you know, want to use them again and increases the participation rates. Welcome back to the pod and terrific to have you with us as always. Well, those are the insightful words of Ben Young, who is the founder and CEO of Frank Green, those delightful reusable cups that I'm sure you've seen before and probably seen our delightful limited edition run of Humans of Purpose Frank Green cups we did last year. So I was really pleased that we could make this happen and uh, equally excited that uh, we actually got connected via Ben's uh, PR team in, in the US. So someone from Frank Green reached out uh, to set up a, a conversation with Ben and that excites me. It means that Humans of Purpose has made it uh, all the way over the coast. So it was terrific to have Ben here. And um, of course, he was spending some time at the South Melbourne office and has lots of gems of wisdom to share. This week, we picked up another lovely five-star review from Jenna OC, who says, as someone who works in the for-purpose space, I'm always on the hunt for good podcasts that share real stories of purpose in action. Loving this podcast for doing just that and highly recommend it. Well, last week's cold snap certainly brought some early snow and had me shivering and also thinking about some warmer pastures, holidays, and what will I be doing next to embark on a personal growth and development journey? Well, that's where the wonderful team at Mountains and Marathons come in. They want you to join them for a six-month leadership program set in sunny Honolulu to culminate by running the Honolulu Marathon as part of the Honolulu Marathon Leadership Program. The team are so committed to having you join them, they're actually going to pay for your flights to and from Hawaii to join them for this wonderful experience. This is an offer exclusive to Humans of Purpose subscribers. So if you do want to learn more, just head to mountainsmarathons.world slash Honolulu. I'll drop a link in the show notes for you to direct click through. And just head down to the inquiry form and just type in Humans of Purpose in the Where Did You Hear About Us section. As always, I want to send a special thank you and shout out to our, our Patreon supporters, Misha D and wife, Joel F, Stuart M and McCartan. Your ongoing support uh, each month has been tremendous for Humans of Purpose and helps us grow and perform each and every week. If you're loving the show and looking for a way to become a bit more involved, I do recommend also joining that great team and becoming a patron. Just head to patreon.com slash humans of purpose. And by doing so, I'll thank you each week, but also give you priority access to all offers, competitions, and partner opportunities via guests and brands that connect with the podcast. So I am uh, thrilled to welcome Ben to the podcast. Thanks for coming. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. So much appreciate you coming. We had a bit of a mix-up yesterday, but now we've got it all straightened out. Really excited to talk coffee, uh, reusables, uh, purpose, and a whole range of things. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> so maybe let's start a little bit by going back in time before Frank Green and talk to me a little bit about how you started out uh, career-wise, what you were doing. Um, and maybe just a bit about your journey in general. Well, right. Um, yeah, well, after high school, um, went and did a commerce degree. 
Um, then after finishing that, uh, went into my corporate career and sort of quite quickly sort of loved the whole business management side and, you know, an understanding about how markets solve problems and how you need to be really customer focused. So, you know, as a part of that, my background's in um, business strategy and mergers and acquisitions. So, you know, it was really fortunate in that area that I got to look at a lot of different businesses and how they operated and what made them successful and what, what, you know, that they could improve on. So, you know, you go through your career, it's amazing. I had, you know, worked for a company that was a $200 million company when it started. And when the time I finished, it was $14.5 billion in revenue. Which one was that? uh, As a linter. Oh, amazing. And yeah, so that, you know, it took on the largest corporate takeover in Australian business history when it purchased a part of AGL, which is a, you know, juggernaut (laughs) company. So yeah, being involved in that and um, having amazing uh, leaders as a part of that business, some real category five uh, leaders and uh, they were recognized, you know, throughout all the journals and all the, you know, um, press as some of the best leaders in the country. And um, that, that was really inspiring to see uh, that type of growth. And then from there, after working, um, you know, sort of in logistics, in, in utilities, and then my last corporate job was in waste. So Australia's largest um, waste business called CleanAway. I looked after strategy and M&A for them. So I got to learn a lot about what really happens with our waste. And it really kind of, it, it frightened me um, to see how big the problem was in terms of single-use plastics um, and that as a, as a country, we don't really recycle them because of the economics don't work. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, we don't recycle PET plastic, which is, you know, call that Coke bottles because the virgin price of PET, say $1.70, but a recycled version of that where it's been you know, taken out of the waste stream and um, granulated and put back in into products costs about $2.20. And then when, you know, a big corporate get involved in this, it is a bit about uh, shareholder value and keeping costs down and so forth. And, you know, it's, it's not just always about costs. It's always about consumers because, um, consumers don't want a dull looking Coke bottle. And that's what happens when you re- reprocess, um, you know, a recycled PET. So yeah, for those kind of reasons, we don't recycle in Australia. And particularly now with China taking, you know, 180 classes of waste out of, you know, they, they were getting in containers from Australia, you know, we don't have the use for it and we definitely don't have the technology to af- effectively and efficiently recycle waste. And, you know, we even have companies like Ramondas, what, um, a big German uh, a waste company here in Australia, a part of the top five waste businesses, were sending out um, emails and communications to their customers just recently saying, hey, I know you're putting stuff in your recycle bin, but we're not recycling. We're being honest with you about it. And, yep. and that's actually what's happening. It's just going to landfall. So, so to, you're excited to work on the problem of, that, you know, that's right. Through an entrepreneurial approach to tackle waste. Yeah, that's right. And you, you know, um, and rather than worrying about recycling and worrying about the waste once it's occurred, let's stop it from actually being produced in the first instance. And, you know, that's where the whole genesis of Frank Green comes along. You know, as a little kid, I just saw, you know, I was, uh, waste flowing out of bins and um, water bottles and, you know, and coffee cups and stuff in the water when I was swimming and out know, fishing my father and all that kind of thing. And I just, I just, I just didn't understand, you know, and I, uh, why that was the case, but I knew it wasn't right. So do you think there was some kind of market failure there that had to be addressed? 
Yeah, absolutely. And when, you know, where there's confusion, there's profit. And that's yeah. the, that's the thing out of that. No one really knows what's happening with it. And, um, and, and so, you know, waste occurs and, you know, it just goes into landfill. And, you know, Australia has about 40% of its landfill is either single use coffee cups or beverage containers. So do you ever like think, and you might not think about this because it's an obvious answer. It might be a stupid question. Yeah. Um, but there's the question like, why is it us who is best placed to tackle that problem? Why? Why is Frank Green the model? I mean, did you think for a little while um, this is something the government should just do better or more of? Yeah, but but I think it's it's a it's a problem that we all should do better with. You know, the government needs to be more active in in this space. Uh, a lot of companies need to be more active in this space, um, and and regulators for that at that in, instance. And we all need to band it together. You know, in my experience from M and A, you you're better off joining forces with a competitor than actually going head to head with them. You know, we've just seen the the two titans of, of car manufacturing, BMW and Mercedes, join forces to build an electric car that's going to take on, you know, that's going to be better than Tesla. I must have missed the headline on that. That's staggering. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, that's why I'm saying it's a big problem and we all kind of need to work to, together on it. And I like that, um, the way you characterize it, a very smart person. I can't remember who um, once said to me that the, the, big, the problem is big enough that we can all share in it. Absolutely. It's not a competitive thing where if one person is solving that problem, another is precluded from solving that problem. That's right. And, and that's about going back to the DNA of the, of the company, you know, Frank Green, that we've set up. You know, the vision, once again, is about stopping the devastating impact of the manufacturing use of, of, of single use. And even biodegradable, you know, it's better than not, but it's still nowhere near as good of just not even producing that product in the first place like you know about 30 percent of the earth trees get cut down to make paper cups did you, know? you see ben that there's um a cafe that's opened up in collingwood that's a um sitting only cafe where yeah. there's no takeaway cups yeah that's all right and there's even been a, a cafe in in perth i think it was in south perth and they said that they will not do takeaway coffees in a in uh, paper cups, and so to start with, the, the business only went bankrupt. But people <laughs> could people could appreciate the effort and the conviction of the owner of that business. Yep. So they started supporting um, the business owner, and now it's just it's flying along. And I think that that whole purpose and people belonging to a bigger to to the solution, a bigger a bigger way of looking things, I think is is something really um, nice to see. As a guy who's like you know heads one of the most impressive, interesting uh, coffee carry companies mm-hmm. you know, globally and definitely in Australia. How much time do you spend, you know, in cafes, hanging out, trying to, you know, mix with coffee grinders, roasted? Are you a kind of uh, guy who likes to be out there soaking it all up in the culture and, and the works? Yeah, well, I've just in, um, I've just moved to America. Um, so I'm back to Australia for Christmas. And, yeah, the, my research over there, I talked to everyone I could that would talk to me. And he's this crazy Aussie bloke asking me all these questions about what's with all the questions. Yeah, what's with all the questions about it? You know, what do they like? What don't they like? How how would they be involved in a movement and change their you know their habits from single use? So yeah, um, I definitely like to roll up my sleeves and, and get involved in that and understanding the bigger picture and how the value chain actually works in the equation. And what's it like in the states? You find it sort of very different, and also is there good coffee anywhere? 
Oh my God! Yeah, don't ask me about the coffee in America. <laughs> it's just different, right? We're, 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 our Aussies are different, and I think the standards would be different as yeah, well. So they would think it's and, great coffee a lot of the time. Well, sure. Australian, but you know, particularly Melbourne, the, the coffee capital of the world. Our coffee is phenomenal, and yeah. just the atmosphere in cafes and how that is such a part of the social fabric about how we all go and yep. enjoy ourselves there. Everyone's got their favorite place, and even yeah. if it's like the difference between a nine point three and a nine point five quality, it's like, oh no, we've got to go to that place. Correct. You know, that but, but you know, one interesting fact is um you know you have a favorite place but 90 percent of the of, of people um cheat on their barista on a daily basis so um <laughs> so we do have a favorite but we're yeah. we're, we're quite infamous. we're sneaky as yeah well. that's right we're sneaky. sometimes the desire for caffeine just takes hold and we can't control ourselves yeah. oh, absolutely that's amazing particularly on a friday morning oh and it's isn't it funny like i always think um one thing about the coffee market in Melbourne is that you get to a certain level of excellence and we're so saturated with great coffee everywhere mm-hmm. that can you even really tell the difference between a eight point something and a nine point one or two quality? Uh, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I definitely can't. That's what I was hoping you would say but, because I sort of feel like we are so blessed that you can go to almost any of the good, well-known places mm-hmm. and they're all great. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell the different shades of difference. Yeah, that's right. But you, you've got to respect the art and the craft of baristas mm. and what they do to give you that perfect cup of coffee yeah. in the morning and understanding that, yeah, they're – they might have had a big night out the night before, but they're up there at four o'clock in the morning and they're testing, you know, all the different um, aspects of of um, the coffee and tampering and all that kind of thing and making sure, you know, that the blend is absolutely right. Yeah, there's so many moving parts. And I think that's what makes um, coffee the perfect uh, hobby or obsession for, for an obsessive. Yes, that's right. And you go to these um, coffee festivals and the fanatics. And I, I love that passion and that just, you know, that want of doing it perfect. Yeah. And yeah, uh, the fanatical. It's quite Japanese in a way. Like, so you know, see these guys who their one job is to make swords and that it's like a, you know, family vocation for centuries. You know, yes. They still are in the same place using the same materials. And that quest for perfection is just a lifelong pursuit. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I yeah. think, you know, even we've been really lucky in Australia, the world barista champion, you know, has come out of Australia more than not. And you just see these guys now they're just heroes mm. around the world mm. and how they've been able to impart their knowledge onto others like people like matt perger and a couple others like that just like crazy it's amazing i want to share with you my frank green experience or yeah, my, great. My, my entry into the frank green world because yep. i was aware of um you know frank green and all the great things you do before we had um, a, a chance to get you on the show and actually i was working in government uh, in the cbd many years ago um i think as a second or third year government employee and we had this great little cafe called tom thumb that was one of the first uh, ones to accept your um, yeah. payment you know yeah. from the lid yep so when i saw at this cafe i was going there just to have takeaway cuppers and i saw well, I can get a, a, a cup of coffee that looks awesome, but the lid can pay for the coffee. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was just blown away by that this, mm-hmm. like many years ago. So I'll do that a little bit. And then one day um, I managed to – the ability to not bring my wallet or anything else to the coffee mm-hmm. shop with me mm-hmm. to get that purchase was exciting. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I forgot my wallet once and I hadn't had breakfast or lunch. So my coffee lid bought me a donut as well. Great. Which I thought was, this is just next level. So my coffee has bought me a coffee and a donut. Thank you, coffee cup. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that, that, that's the whole thing where, you know, because once again, getting back to our vision about, you know, getting people to, in, uh, to use their reusable and how do you actually change people's habits? So there's a habit, which is bringing, 
your coffee cup to the cafe and the ritual is actually paying for it. Yeah. And how cool do you feel? Like you feel like you're a rock star and we call it this Frank Green feeling. You've turned up with it, you know, a spill proof cup, you know, it's double wall insulated. It keeps your coffee hotter for longer. And then, you know, and, and, you know, it matches your suit for the day, you know, all the different colors that we have. And then you just rock up and pay for it. So, and you also get a discount typically at cafes now. There's about 4,000 cafes. That's an exciting space, the cafe discount space. That's right. So your buyer reusable and actually pays itself off. Yeah. And makes you money down the track. And you get your first coffee free as well. Absolutely. Which is like quite exciting because it's kind of like instant payoff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's so beautiful about this and um, that that, that the economics of it all work because every single time that you bring your reusable to a cafe um, to – to, to use, you're saving the cafe the cost of, at least the cost of that single use cup. Yep. So they can then use that that you know that value to invest in a loyalty and rewards program to keep you coming back and staying back with them. So tell me a little bit about the the impact that the, the cups have and um, using a Frank Green cup versus single use has mm-hmm. overall in, in your experience in the journey so far. Yeah, right. So you know we've we've done uh, a bit of analysis and uh, looking through the impact of the, actually um, the embedded energy and so forth in terms of manufacturing a product. And you know we're, with a smaller size eight ounce um, product that we have, it's as little as fifteen uses um, of someone uh, you know uh, would actually be the same energy the what it would be for those single use cups if they were if they were purchased if that makes sense so just in 15 uh, 15 uses you're in front so that's amazing that's not many it's that's three weeks statistic actually yeah but I, I suppose it's also a bit more like um would be harder to measure but the impact of a person who might be the first adopter or first user in their community to take a frank green cup out mm-hmm. and then so there's that impact but then there's mm-hmm. also the impact of everyone else seeing that and then deciding to jump on board because of that yeah and you know now there's people in elevators they've got their single use and everyone's got a reusable and they're they're, they're frowned upon and you know that's one thing yeah. Oh, yeah we want to you know we'd love to happen um is to you know for a single use to be as unpopular as smoking oh because it because it, yeah. it is nature's cancer this plastic right i actually think yeah. that uh, i've had an experience of shunning or near shunning yeah uh, relating to coffee cups it happened uh last year it was at the the purpose conference in sydney mm-hmm. it's an awesome conference by the way mm-hmm. you might have sponsored it or something but um th- they had this thing that there were no um, obviously flying up from Melbourne, you weren't allowed to have um, single-use cups. Mm-hmm. So you had to bring your own keep mm-hmm. cup or mm-hmm. Frank Green cup, mm-hmm. and uh, they provided some reusable cups there. So mm-hmm. my friend and I who flew up, we looked at each other on the first day and said, shit, we forgot to get reusable cups. What are we going to do? We went to Coles, bought these horrible reusable cups and mm-hmm. carried them around. And oh, We were so close. We saw a few people there who didn't bring their own reusable cups, and the looks they were copying, you would not want to be there. Yeah. Well, the whole idea is to be able to provide a solution to your customers. So, you know, you've got to be able to, you know, be able to give a cup that's, you know, and use a cup that doesn't leak and it keeps everything, you know, you don't, you don't look, um, you know, backwards. And do you think that's the part of the Frank Green difference is providing, you know, because what you've done, and they often say this about products that try and promote uh, doing good over um, the standard, you know, Mm -hmm. entry level, is that it's about quality and mm-hmm. so and, and through the design mm-hmm. and what you've created you haven't just created a direct substitute that is more ethical you've created a better quality product yeah that's right and yeah you know i i can cannot start to explain the effort that we went through to making sure that we understood what the consumer problem was at the stage and you know why didn't people use a reusable um product in the first instance it, it was because they thought they were all getting recycled the ones that they were getting the paper ones and plastic ones at a cafe that's a part of the reason but but more it was is because they 
inherently didn't didn't meet the consumer's requirements. And you've got to respect that. You know, they they, they looked terrible. Um, they they leaked and they, they leaked. didn't function function very well. And you definitely couldn't pay for things with them. No. And and it's that innovation that that helps people um you know want to use them again and increases the participation mm. rate. What does the um the advent or the explosion of the iWatch do to you guys or the smartwatch in terms of payments or phones? Does it affect how people feel about the payment function in the cup? Or? Well, well, yeah, people said to me, why would you put a, a, a payment device or a Visa card mm. in a, a Frank Green, um, you know, reusable cup? And uh, you, you, you're crazy. I can just pay with my phone. I can pay with my watch. Yeah, but but every single time that you pay with your cup, you've saved the environment and the embedded energy and everything associated with the single-use cup. And it's those economics once again, that savings and the value that's created that allows people to actually pay for so there's an rewards. incentive to use that payment system over an external credit card. That's right. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. very cool. So you know, it's that those economics that um that are that are created. Well, look, it wouldn't apply to me or you by the looks of things anyway, because we don't we're not people who walk around with smart watches. And I mm-hmm. think that's you know, and I don't usually pay for things on my mm-hmm. phone either, mm-hmm. which is uh, a space that I think is exploding, but. You know, you get to the point where it's like, is it that hard to pull out my wallet or, you know, is that much of a problem to just pay conventionally? Yeah. Well, just about the frictionless payments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and consumers have got really used to now just tapping and, and walking away, mm. particularly in Australia and the UK and, and America's um, emerging in that area. Um, and, and that's the reason why we do it. It's really it's really meeting our kind of needs and it's quicker. Yeah. And, and, and merchants encourage it because it's quicker for them to serve um, customers with tap and go, you know, then it is with cash. Then you've got to handle it. The security issues are associated with that and everything. And it's just, it's definitely easier. Let me take you back a little bit and about the entry into the sort of waste area, of, mm-hmm. you know, trying to apply um, principles of entrepreneurship to solving the problem mm-hmm. of single use cups. Were there things that you thought you knew about the space that when you arrived in the space and started working on Frank Green, you were like, <laughs> oh, I had that completely wrong? Oh, well, you know, uh, you know, we talked a little bit before about my background, you know, in, in business, but I most certainly was an industrial designer and un- understood about human-centered design. I didn't understand about manufacturing and making tools for manufacturing and, ma- and designing a product that then could be tooled, then manufactured, and then manufactured for, a, for a, a price that you could sell and actually make money from. So it's whole of that, that whole, you know, first couple of years of this journey where I'd made a lot of learning opportunities available to myself. That's for sure. Um, um, and, and when you're paying for these things out of your back pocket and not funding it and all that kind of thing, I made some really, really expensive mistakes, but, but then out of it, look at where we are today. So those learnings that I've got to have a deeper knowledge now than what I would have otherwise if I just said to someone, go away and do all that. So yeah, it took, it took, um, you know, over two years to actually finalize the design and the manufacturing. And we even made production tools for two other uh, lids um, of our product that, that, that just never saw the light of day because we did all the testing. As you'd imagine, Ikea would with lots of pressing and, and touching and cycles and dishwashers and all that kind of thing and, and user acceptance testing um, to, to make sure that when we launched that we, we weren't making excuses to anyone for a substandard product. We had to get it right. And what do people tell you now, your consumers, when you talk to them about what they love about the Frank Green products and the experience? Yeah, well, we, we look at the advocacy, particularly on social media, um, and it's always, you know, the people have some that sometimes say, which you, some people say, hey, I'm after a user cup, which one would I get? And then you just see 
what what the people say about us in terms of oh, I really like it because I can put it in my bag after I finish and then I get home and I put it in the dishwasher. Um, the, the fact that they really like the colors and the choice and the style of ours. There's no other product out there in the market box that has our st- style, this, you know, Scandinavian-inspired back design with all the curves in the right places. And it's got to be a fashion accessory. You've got to give everyone as many excuses to use it and no excuses not to use it. I love the um, the, the curves. Yeah. That element of it is um, – makes it really comfortable to hold also. Yeah, well, we did, you know, a whole heap of research and and we looked at, you know, what humans liked and what they didn't. And there's certain curves that are just mathematical equations, right? And and so that just makes it more, more pleasing to people's eyes um, than, than other than other things. So that that's the reason why we, we, we didn't try and change that. We we utilize those curves in, in the product. So we're just really pleasing to people's eyes. So I wanted to ask you a bit about um, sort of continuous learning and, you know, how you um, you learn a lot in that two-year period mm-hmm. and obviously through your work you're learning every day. Mm-hmm. How else do you optimise your learning and do you have sources that you go to to try and, you know, carve out time for that and, you know, ensure you're still every day learning more? Yeah, that's a really good question in terms of what we learn from consumers and how we, you know, have really robust kind of honest conversations with them about what they don't and what, you know, what they really like and what can be improved. So, um, yeah, the, the learnings that we've got around our product and now how we've taken that into next versions, like we started with a copolymer version, the first Frank Green, uh, which was amazing. Um, but now by talking to our customers, they want, you know, uh, more technical capabilities of the product. So therefore we've come out with stainless steel and we've just launched a massive range. And no matter what size your coffee is, your, your piccolo drinkers, your venti drinkers, all I the different that. types. Yeah. It's yeah you, you, we've got, we've got what you need now. And th- there's no excuse why you couldn't, you know, be involved in the movement. That's awesome. And so back to sort of more the personal stuff, like for yourself as an entrepreneur in mm-hmm. your own personal life, do you have mm-hmm. like a, are you a reader, are you a podcast listener? What do you enjoy and what do you use to kind of grow? Well, I, you know, the, the truth is I, I don't have that much time, particularly, you know, with, with my travel and everything like that. But what I try and do um, for sanity, and it's my go-to place, and, you know, you, you need to kind of decide what, you know, what is your go-to place and make sure you carve some time out. And, you know, for me that's kind of, you know, going for a run. And it doesn't need, you don't need to go and run a marathon like I did when I was younger, but you, but you just go for a five kilometer run and just kind of reset yourself. And I just think healthy body helps with a healthy mind and uh, to reset yourself in there. So, um, and then it's having surrounding yourself with really, um, genuine and, and talented people because, um, I definitely don't have the mortgage on the thought and I, you know, I need to be able to, you know, the thoughts that I have in my brain, I need to be able to get them out and test them on some, you know, some really clever people. And, and that's one thing I'm really fortunate with is my network because of my corporate career and, and, you know, and I was really, um, lucky to work with so many talented people and I, you know, I've still got them in my network and I can, you know, I've got a problem, but I might, you know, I might have a problem in marketing. So I talk to one of the finance people that I know about it. And it's typically the people that you don't think it, you know, you know, maybe a finance person, you know, how are they going to give you advice on a marketing problem? But they look at it from a different lens and that's where the, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. That's, that's a great call. Actually finding wisdom in, uh, probably atypical sources or different different areas, different yeah. perspectives. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so do you mix uh, a lot in entrepreneurial circles in LA or, you know, back then? Uh, no. No? no, I don't, I don't at all. It's <laughs> like get up in the morning and, and go to work and uh, come home. Awesome. Yeah. So you, when you're talking about networks, it would be more like the corporate. Uh, yeah, that's networks. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
But yeah, but that's something now, you know, I've only been in LA, you know, I only got my visa in um, October. So I've only been there a bit. So just getting my, it's such a, it's such a mad place. So just getting my, my boundaries and, and, and bearings now. Yeah. It's awesome. And how are you finding it like versus um, how, we, we Melbourne before? Yeah. yeah I'm a yeah. proud Aussie. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, I'd love to be yeah. staying here, but yeah. you know, in terms of once again, the vision of the business and how big the problem is. I think you've got to take everything that we've learned here in Australia and, yep. and take it to America. Is it, is it LA because it's just a really good fit for the brand and market? Yeah, and- absolutely. It is. But, you know, California, um, you know, so the West Coast is is great and the coffee culture that's emerging there that really, really, uh, really helps um, in California. Um, uh, yeah, so that that's a great place. And plus, it's not that far. You know, you get a yeah. night flight from Australia to LA and you wake up in the morning and you're there. Yeah, you and know? especially if you can get a good sleep or a summer Correct. sleep. Yeah, that's you're right. You're fine. I, yeah, I that's agree right. with that. That's yeah. a good call. Yeah. And so do you have other ways of uh, re-energizing or wellness practices that you do to kind of stay on top of things? Yeah, well, since I've um, been um, in LA, um, my partner, she, she you know a lot of yoga and um, Pilates and that kind of thing. So I do a bit of that with her and she's quite a spiritual person as well. So that's kind of really, really, really helped me. It's awesome. Yeah. And what does it make you, like being over there, do you have um, thoughts about sort of the state of um, entrepreneurship and purpose-driven business in Australia? Like, Yeah, I, I think Australia's entrepreneur. Um, you know, culture and, you know, just this year I was lucky enough to be uh, involved in, um, you know, uh, uh, Ernst and Young um, Entrepreneur of the Year program and just seeing what some really clever people were doing across a range of different industries and that thought and innovation and you're just absolutely blown away by the absolute raw talent and this mm. this Aussie entrepreneurship that's out there. And, you know, I see pockets of it around the world but I, I just – feel that Australia and particularly Melbourne is just such a, uh, you know, uh, lucky kind of melting pot of these ideas. Totally agree with that. Have you, do you think much about like, um, if you weren't focusing on this problem right now, the single cup reuse stuff, what else you might tackle? Um, like what would be like, if you had to give someone advice about, oh, this is like ripe for doing something similar in that you're excited about? Um, no, it really has taken all my effort. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't have the ability to even, you know, we've, we've given everything that we're doing. I haven't really had any chance to think about anything else. It's taken my complete focus to be here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's fair to say if I look back in five years' time or in five years' time and say, could I have done something different or put more effort in, I, I couldn't. I've got nothing left. It's probably yeah. a good sign. I'm sure there's a lot of people happy to hear that you're so immersed in it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I think to be successful and to do that, um, and given how big the problem is, it does take 100% of, of, of your effort and you need to decide what type of person you are as well before you start. And do you think, I mean, are there people who are better suited to being entrepreneurs than not and can you teach? <laughs> Absolutely is, is there is. Innate? Yeah, I, I, I just think you, you've, you've got to have the ability um, to, you know, to really be honest with yourself what type of person you are. And, you know, being a purpose, you know, uh, driven performance-based cult- culture that we have in, in our business, um, you, you, you need to be really focused on <laughs> you, you need to be just really focused on, um, on you know, how you can solve a problem and, and how you can get about it. And, and once you, you know, make and get the result that you feel like you're going to get in the first instance and how you go back again and pick yourself up 
of the deck. And it happens every day. There's challenges in, in our business from manufacturing to marketing to, you know, websites and payments and gateways and all this kind of thing. There's always something to, to improve or get better and, and, and just about not letting it get, get you down. You yeah. always keep your, 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 your kind of focus on the strategy, um, and, and the, you know, the eventual, um, you know, vision of the business. It's so exciting. So are there people who you look up to or brands that you look up to sort of in this space? So you, you know, sort of like, you know, exemplify your values quite well and what you see the, the future of purpose-driven business? Yeah, the, the, there's, a, there's a few coming out now. And, you know, you look at all the studies that, you know, people are more likely to purchase from a purpose-driven business than, than not. And, and, and you know, if you put two brands together, the latest statistics were if you put two brands together, one's very clear on its environmental credentials and, and purpose versus one that's not, 85% of people will purchase the environmental um you know, focused and a purpose-driven business over the other, even if it's more expensive product. Yep. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I think for sure. So, I mean, if there were people who were sort of thinking about entrepreneurship and particularly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, purpose-driven entrepreneurship has become a popular space. um, What advice would you give to them about sort of, you know, anything is it right for them to enter what should they be mm-hmm. thinking about what should they prioritize in their first year yeah great so you've got to solve it you know i get this ask this question a lot and you've got to solve a market problem and there's got to be value in it for everyone the consumer the government the industry participants and so forth so you've got to be able to do that and you've got to be really clear where the money's going to come from too because you can't do things for free and go backwards. You need to, to be inventive, um, to drive marketing activities, to push your um, business and mm. your what your product or business offering is around the world. You need money to do that. And I think there's a key inside of that is don't just do something that you think is valuable. Do something that is valued mm-hmm. so people will pay for it. Yeah. That, uh, if you can't get people to pay for it, um, you need to be thinking about doing it differently or mm-hmm. doing something else altogether. Yeah. Well, at least about that, that, that honesty. A lot of people, you know, want, want to, they've got some great ideas, but being able to monetize it so they can keep furthering things. Cause to start with when you come out with a product or an idea, it's never perfect. No matter how clever you are and how much you've researched the industry, you never get it right to start with. You need to, you know, you need to test and learn, test and learn, test and learn, and be really agile in terms of your, your approach. And was that sort of the methodology that you used in developing their first? Yeah, well, I didn't want it to be like that, but that's how it was. You yeah. know, I didn't want to have to learn yeah. the hard way like I did, but if, effectively, that's what we did, and and now I'm really comfortable with that approach um, in how we get about. You know, we we get products made and we get them out and we get them tested and and get everyone's feedback, and it goes back into the next iteration, and you just keep you just keep trying to perfect. You guys have got a lot of partners. You mm-hmm. seem to be really good at collaborating across brands and industries. Mm-hmm. I think collaboration is something everyone wants to do, but how you do it is sort of that, that mm-hmm. chestnut, that's yeah. sort of hard, hard nut to crack. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips around how, how to collaborate well or how to farm, uh, how to, um, form, you know, meaningful quality partnerships? Yeah. Well, I think you've got to be really clear with your purpose and, and your vision of the business. So people, when they know they partner with you, they know who they're partnering with and it's not, you know, a, a, um, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not dressed up as something, but it's actually something else. So, you know, we're, you know, in terms of our partnerships with Australian Made, for example, and getting them out to see our manufacturing and videoing it and just being really transparent. That's super important. You know, partnerships with Qantas, with Google, with, you know, um, with Disney, for example. So, you know, the, all these things that we do and letting Disney, for example, for very good reason, they want to partner with people where there's the manufacturing ethics and, and, and how the, the practices and human rights 
you know, are within factories. You've got ha- happy, healthy people getting paid properly and never in danger during their weekly, their daily work. So, you know, hats off to people like Disney that um, go to, and let me tell you, you know, when our, our partnership with them, they make sure those things are ticked and that, you know, that that um, compliance is super important and, I you know, I really do applaud them for um, to going to that effort to making sure that um, nothing's compromised. What's the next frontier for you in the business? What are you excited about? What's in the pipeline? Well, it's it's really the growth, um, you know. So you know, we've got a we've got um, reusable um, cups and bottles today with with some te- with technology in it, which is was amazing, and how that that increases the participation rates. But you know, if you googled the the ten worst products that go to landfill, we unashamedly are going to pick on those. And if we can do them really, really well, we we will um we will put them to market. And you know, in January, February, March next year, you're going to see probably about four or five products come out from Frank Green as we repurpose and repoint ourselves from a reusable cup and bottle business to um, a sustainable solutions and consumer products business. So you, you will see some amazing things. We're super proud. Everyone around the office over Christmas has been, you know, all using the new products that we've got coming out. So we're really stoked about about that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to end with one question that I'm starting to ask as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. What, what are one or two things that everyone should do more of? And mm-hmm. what are one or two things that everyone should do less of, in your opinion? Yeah, well, I think they should do more of the things that truly make people happy, um, and you know, and catch up with family and friends, and 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 uh, understanding their value and their kind of worth, and ha- having that. I think that's super important. And less of is, you know, less is make sure that you're surrounded by people, you know, um, that you're loved and and you're encouraged, and inspired by, and less of the people that are not like that. Yeah. It's a great answer. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, great. I really enjoyed myself, so thank you very much. You're great chatting. Yeah, great. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. Why not share the podcast with a friend? You could also leave us a five-star review in your podcast player. You may also want to join us for one of our regular live podcasts or to become a show sponsor. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook.